Well, good morning again, and happy Labor Day weekend. Labor Day, work day, a day we celebrate work. I'm going to have Matt Shonick and Bob Flynn come on up and give a little interview this morning as we start off the message about work. Come on up, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, so coming up uh, later this fall, Bob and I are going to be putting together some interviews that you guys can see with different members of the congregation. You want to hear the songs that are in them. The interviews are called This Time Tomorrow. And so we ask, what will you, what we, will you be doing this time tomorrow? And it's all about connecting what we do in worship on Sunday to what you do every day, every moment of your life, because it matters to God. There is no separation between the sacred and the secular. And so we're just going to demonstrate one of these interviews, give an example uh, with Bob himself. So say hi, Bob. Hello. There you go. <laughs> All right. So this is what these interviews will look like. So, Bob, what will you be doing this time tomorrow? I'll be relaxing on the lake, Matt. <laughs> Labor Day doesn't count. Okay. Uh, what will you be doing this time on Tuesday? <laughs> okay. On Tuesday, I will be managing a small business that I own, and we uh, renovate and improve people's homes. Cool. So we see God works in Genesis 1 and John 5, and that we were also made to image God. So how does your work as a renovator reflect the image of God? Well, there's several ways that it reflects the image of God, but I'll just mention two. The first thing is by doing good work. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, um, that our good work is a way that we shine the light of Jesus to others. So doing good work, not cutting corners, is, um, it's a, we reflect the image of God through that. And then the other thing is just the work itself. So um, I was trained as a renovation carpenter, started 40 years ago from a couple guys in the church here that trained me. And Neil and Terry and I used to talk amongst ourselves, and we thought it was pretty cool. You know, we were all carpenters. We thought it was cool that Jesus was in the building trades, and we were too. And then also, I, as I look in Scripture, I see that in Genesis that God, uh, he worked to create the material world. And so working in the material world is important to God. And then the other thing about um, how we reflect the image of God uh, another thing I've seen in Scripture is that both Jesus and God are, are defined as being builders and restorers. And in my work, we do a lot of both of those. And the first thing, builders, we, we build additions to people's houses. We do new kitchens, new bathrooms. So we, we create and, and bring new life into people's homes. And then also we restore people's homes because a lot of people's homes have deteriorated and that's an effect of the fall. So we repair the deterioration and in that way we're pushing back against the effects of the fall. And there's a couple other things which we don't have time to get into, but also evangelism is a very important way of uh, reflecting the image of God. And then um, uh, Christian ethics is also very important. Awesome. So you mentioned pushing back the effects of the fall. Right? So we see in Genesis 3 that because of the fall, the environment we work in is cursed. So when we see Adam gardening, instead of all the fruit, he gets thorns and thistles. So uh, what are some of those challenges that you face at your work? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is just to really know God's peace and calm in the midst of working in, as you refer to, the fallen world. 
and I just dovetail on what you were saying there, Matt, that as I look in Genesis uh, 2.15, it says that God put Adam and Eve in the garden to work and cultivate it. Like you said, they were farmers. And then in chapter 3, in the fall, when sin came into the world, it says that the ground was cursed. Now, the work wasn't cursed, but the ground. So that's like the environment that Adam and Eve had to work in was cursed. And so it was just going to be harder for them to do their work because of the environment. And uh, I can imagine that Adam and Eve planting a corn seed, but then in Scripture it says that up came thorns and thistles. So there's these unexpected uh, outcomes that happen in my work a lot. And, um, you know, we could have mista mistakes get made, um, deliveries don't happen on time, um, there could be relationship conflicts, there could be miscommunication, there's cost overruns, there's all kinds of things that really make it difficult. And so uh, I think that's the biggest, uh, for me as a business owner, my number one thing is that I want to serve my customers, I want to serve my vendors, and I want to serve my employees. And the way I do that is by running a profitable business. And a lot of times these things will happen that'll cut into those profits. So there's just a lot of stress that I feel. And so I just really want to know that God experienced God's peace and his provision in the midst of all that. Awesome. So we're called to bear one another's burdens, to be the body together. So I want to pray for Bob, but I also want, can you stand up if you're a small business owner, if you work in construction, renovation, anything physical, building, if you work in one of those fields, if you make things with your hands, could you stand up? Um, also, yeah, if you're just struggling within your work to find God's peace, all right? Well, I just want to pray for you guys because, again, we're all sent out from here, right? We're all sent out to do God's work. So let me just pray um, for all of you. <clears throat> God, just pray a special blessing. God, each one of these who have stood, who are called by you, who are called by you into their vocation, to what they do with their hands, to what they make, to what they build. God, let each one see the reflection of you and your son in what they do. If they restore, God, let them identify with you, Jesus, who restores all things. If they make and create, God, let them identify with you, God the Father, who created from nothing. And God, when we see, when each one of these sees a struggle, is struggling to see, God, how are you moving? God, Holy Spirit, fill them. Fill them with your peace and let them see their work how you see their work. Bless each one of my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Amen. That's this time tomorrow. Before we jump into the message, I want to give a shout out to the um, Bethany Global University students who are here. Raise your hand if you're joining us from Bethany. Good job. Love you guys. Young men and women who are coming to be trained, take the gospel around the world. It's good to have you with us today. Labor Day. For many people, Labor Day is a day for a barbecue. How many love a good barbecue? Yep, day for a barbecue out back. But here in Minnesota, I think Labor Day more represents like summer is almost over, right? 
So it's kind of that, oh, barbecue, but oh, man, Minnesota summers are pretty precious. And this one, like always, it says it's time to be wrapping things up and be thinking towards the fall. School's starting up soon. Trees are just beginning to change color. Those with cabins are talking about bringing in their docks. Weren't out that long in the lake, but time to bring them in. The golfers are saying, let's get a couple rounds in before... uh, before the snow flies, bit of chill in the air this morning. You know, you say, oh, can I still wear my short sleeve shirts? Praise the Lord, I still can. It's a beautiful day. And best of all, the Vikings opener is next week. Let's hear it for the Minnesota Vikings. This year, they're going to win the Super Bowl. I just know it. I just know it. Just by statistical odds, they have to, I think. So, happy Labor Day. What's the history of Labor Day? There was a day where they celebrated work. The celebration. The freedom to work, the freedom to pursue your dreams, to work hard, to be treated fairly, and to be paid a fair wage. Now, you may say, well, of course. But that is not true historically in America. It's not true in some places even today in America. It's not true around the world. And so there was a celebration of this. Actually took place back in 1882, September 5th. And there was a march of maybe 20,000 people who marched in New York City. And they had a banner. And the banner said, Work Creates Wealth. Interesting banner. I'm not sure we'd see that today, right? They had this big banner, and it said, Work Creates Wealth. And that's an amazing concept, really. I believe it to be true. That work or wealth is not limited. Wealth is not just a big pie that exists to be divided equally among all people. But wealth can actually be created. And as followers of Christ, one of the great things about God is he's the great creator, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you are made in his image. And we are able to what I would call co-create with God. That God called us in his image, led by him, submitted to him to create with him. And wealth is something that can be created through vision, opportunity, and hard work. And so they had this sign, I believe a biblically-based sign that said, work creates wealth. And after their march, of course, they all got together for Irish stew and apple pie. Party I'd like to be at, right? And then they finished it off with fireworks. Sounds like a 4th of July celebration. And then in 1980, in 1894, the Congress declared Labor Day a federal holiday. Labor Day, a day when we celebrate work. A day which technically is set aside to celebrate the value and the dignity of work. So I want to ask each of you, what is your work? I believe God has given each person a work to do. 
what is your work? Are you employed? Is there a place where you go, an office, or a work you do out of your home? Are you a student where your work at this phase of life is to study? Are you a homemaker that this phase of your life is to raise children? What an incredible job homemakers have. Are you in church work? Are you a missionary? Are you in IT, in construction, in real estate, in politics, in sports? There are different works, and I'm sure there's more that I missed. There are different works that God gives us to do. And I want to ask you, do you understand the value of the work you do? Do you understand the value to God in the work that you do? Do you see your work as dignified and honorable? And Do you recognize that when you do your work, you are serving others and you are glorifying God? For too long, we in the church have had a separation between the secular and the sacred. I don't think we really find that in the scriptures. I think it is all sacred when it's all done as unto the Lord. So whatever you do, Noah, when you're being a DJ for a wedding, you are serving a family, a couple, and you are serving the Lord in doing an excellent job in that. As each of us go and do our work, whatever that is, we can do it as unto the Lord, which makes it sacred. Or are you like most people that just go to work to make money singing, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. It's funny, but it's not funny. Because if your only purpose of working is simply, I need money, then you've missed part of the heart of God in the work that we do. So what's the Bible say about work? It's always good to go back to Genesis, isn't it? When we look at Genesis, we see the order, the plan of God for our lives. There are some stories, many stories in the Bible. Some relate to us at different levels, but you're pretty safe when you go back to Genesis to say there's a pattern, a purpose in the creation and in the order and what God is doing when we see his creation of men, of mankind. So we read from Genesis 1, verse 26, and I'm reading from the NLT this morning. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, livestock and all wild animal, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Pause for a moment. I need to say this regularly. Men and women created in the image of God. Not men created and then women were an add-on. Men and women created in the image of God. Do I hear an amen? Amen. amen? amen. All right, so, not the sermon. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth. Subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and every living creature that moves in the ground. So listen to these words, in the creation. It wasn't just in God created everything. 
but he had a special role for us, mankind. Words like rule, fill the earth, subdue, rule over the fish. God made men and women with a purpose, and he made us with a work to do. That work takes on many different forms, but God made you with a work to do. So point number one is that work is a blessing, a gift from God. Do you see your work that way? You wake up in the morning when you got work to do and go, whoo, another day of work. Or do you go, oh, man, I just did hardly get out of bed. I got to go to school today. I got to go to the office today. I got to go, and you just... You feel the cursed aspect. But work is a blessing, a gift from God. I've mentioned this song before, but I think it's so descriptive. It's a Dominican song. We can just get it. You got that on cue there just to hear the music of that? You just got to start dancing, right? Okay, so that's the song basis. All right, thank you. And with that song, where, by the way, that's exactly right. As soon as that song starts, people start dancing. And this is known, this is, a, this is Dominican, but this is known through all Latin America. And they can sing this song. And my excerpts from this song are, Work, for me, is an enemy. I'd rather leave work for the ox. For God made work as a punishment. But for me, I like merengue music. And to dance with a beautiful, dark-skinned woman, to dance by her side, to hold her close all night long, because for me, work is pain. And so this song is sung, and they dance, and then they're singing, work is a punishment of God. Work is pain. Work is bad. And I just want to find a woman and dance all night long. And that message disciples nations. These songs disciple us as we sing them, as they move into our soul, and as we struggle with work. And these messages are that work is an enemy, punishment from God, it's a pain. And the goal, according to not just this song, but our culture, is that the goal is leisure 24-7. And entertainment is the goal of your life. If you didn't need money, just play all day long. You ever played, like, too long? You know, I, Dominican has some of the be most beautiful beaches in the world. Gorgeous beaches, beautiful. Palm trees, sand, gorgeous beaches. And, you know, I loved to take my family to the beach. And we just, I mean, it just can't get much nicer. And you're there for day one, day two, day three. And somewhere around day four, I'm like, yeah, I've had about enough of this. Now, how can you have enough of paradise, right? But it was just like day four, I'm like, okay, how much longer? I, I, I needed to get back to work. And it wasn't just that there was a lot to do. It was like I can only lay around so long. 
friend of mine said, no, I could lay here on the beach for years. I could be, the, five years I could lay here with people bringing me pina coladas, just lay here and just enjoy, I go, I would go out of my mind. Think about it. If God didn't make work, if leisure was what it was all about, I don't know. God knows us better than sometimes we know ourselves. And by his grace and his love, he gave us a work to do. He gave us a work to do. So work is not a curse. You know, some have even idealized heaven as being a place of eternal leisure. You know, the picture of, I think we got that here. This is what heaven will be, right? You'll just be laying around with the cherubs in the clouds, and you'll be worshiping God all day long. Let's talk about worship of God in heaven. The concept we have sometimes is that we're going to join the eternal choir. Bobby will be leading, I'm sure. And we'll be up there worshiping. Now, I love worship. I love worship. It ministers to my heart. I love coming and worshiping with you on Sunday mornings. I love worshiping in my home. I love to worship. But the idea of singing songs and worshiping for the first week and then a year and then 10 years and then a thousand years, somewhere in there, I think I'd, maybe I'm wrong, but some, from this perspective, I go, I think I'd get bored. I think some, I don't mean disrespect to God, because maybe I wouldn't. But if it's just leisure and singing, I don't think that's what heaven is. I don't think that's what the Bible says heaven is. And I'll back up my statements with the scripture. Because I think the good news is heaven is worship 24-7 but it's not just singing songs. We will always be worshiping the Lamb of God. Amen? We will always be in awe of our Savior who humbled himself to come and die for us. But I don't think we're just going to be in a choir forever and ever and ever and ever. Because one of the ways we worship God is by working. And I believe that will continue even in heaven. Take a couple of scriptures here. So did you know you have work to do after you die? You're not just floating in clouds. Scriptures, Revelations 20, verses 4 through 6. I saw thrones. This is John's vision of heaven. Thrones, they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who'd been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image had not received his mark on their forehead or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. They were reigning with Christ, judging, ruling. Revelations 5.10, And you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign, we shall reign on the earth. 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that the saints will judge the world. Obviously, none of us understand that totally. But there will be work and leadership and ruling that will be ours. And I don't know all what it means, but I know that we're in training ground here on earth. 
And what God's doing in our lives here will matter when we're in heaven. There is a work for us to do. Those who are saved to remain faithful to the Lord, especially even those who have been martyred for Christ, his saints will be ruling, judging, and working. And I say hallelujah. Won't it be fun to rule alongside serving Jesus in whatever that new world will be? Speaks of coming back to a new earth. Can't even imagine it all. Praise the Lord. A friend of mine would say, if you can imagine it, it's wrong. It's better than that. I go, all right, I, I can give you that. It's going to be incredible, but there will be work to do. So we go back to Genesis, Genesis 2.15. The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. It's interesting. This is before the fall. They weren't just sitting around eating grapes in the garden. They had work to do before thorns and thistles and the world had a curse upon it, but there was work to do for Adam and Eve. They were farmers. Can you imagine farming in a perfect world? You ever seen some of the fruit and things out of Alaska? They look like fake pictures where they're holding pumpkins this big. They got watermelons and gourds. It's like Alaska grows some amazing vegetables because the sun doesn't set over much of the summer. And they can grow some amazing produce. Well, heaven would be just a thousand times better. And they, in paradise, Adam and Eve were farmers. They didn't lounge around all day. And there was no corruption yet in the world. So hear it clearly. Work is not inherently bad. Work is a gift from God. And you were designed to work, to create, to maintain. That's how you were designed. And one of the ways you know that inherently is when you do a good work, when you work hard. Sometimes you really work hard and you finish the day. How do you feel? You feel good, don't you? You look back and you go, hey, that was a good day. Really got some stuff done today. That really looks good. You know, one of my love languages is encouragement. And I was a house painter for nine years. Painted my way through college and seminary. Painted houses. And I always like to paint with God because it's more fun. More fun to have a buddy at your side. But when I painted by myself, I'd finish. And, of course, there's nobody to encourage. And I'd kind of look back and go, oh, you did a good job there. My wife would say, are you crazy? Do you need to? I go, I'm not. I just, you know, there was nobody around to encourage me, so I encouraged myself, you know. But that looks good, and it feels good looking at something and saying, did all right there. Looks good. Finished a good day of work. You know, only 43% of workers in America are satisfied with their job. I even wonder if it's that high, but that's what a poll says. And in Japan, the number is 17%. That means the vast amount of people in this world are not happy working, would rather quit. But they do it probably basically because they need the finances. So work is a good thing, a gift of God, but then sin comes in. How many of you know that sin really messes thing up, things up? It didn't just mess it up in the garden. 
It messes it up for your life every day. In this world, sin is a major factor. Let's read Genesis 3.16. God said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. So for women, part of of the result of sin is painful childbirth and a power struggle with your husband. To the man, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. I will grow thorns and it will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow you'll have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made, for you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So for the men, work's going to be hard, and you're going to die. <laughs> sin messes things up. Yeah, you know, sin, just to take a brief, I think sin is talked about too little today. We talk about mistakes or opinions. The Bible calls things sin. Sin is basically missing the mark, disobeying God, or choosing to go my way rather than God's way. And I think even it, in today's society, we'd say, nobody tells me what to do. Nobody makes decisions. I make all decisions for my life. I'm under no one's authority, which basically says, I'm my own God. I saw this in a, how many of the school board meetings have got really interesting these days? They used to be really boring, but they are not boring anymore. And I saw a clip of a guy who got up and he was mad at the school board. I don't even know the topic exactly, but he said, nobody tells me what to do. I do whatever I want, whenever I want. And then he said, light. And as he talked, he took off his jacket, then he took off his shirt, then he took off his pants. And he was in his underwear in front of the school board saying, I do whatever I want. But as an illustration of that, there it was. And they were saying, Sir, please put your clothes back on. Um, But I thought it really illustrated what I think is true of our world. That we don't want to be under the authority of anyone, especially God. And his way of illustrating that was creative. I'll give him that. But in our lives, the scriptures were called to submit our lives in authority to God. And work, God designed us to be workers, to be people who work. And may I say that when you work well, you reflect the image of God. Not just working, but working well. Working as unto the Lord. Going the extra mile. When you work well and work with a good attitude and do things with quality, you will stand out in this world. Some good advice to young people. If you do what you're called to do and do it 10% beyond, you will star in this life. You will be promoted in jobs. It's hard to find workers that will, with good hearts, do the job and a little extra. That's all. Just do that and you will do well in this world. Scripture speaks of God as a worker. John 5, 17, My father is working and I myself... And working. So God 
is a worker still. He's still working. And Jesus is still working. And we who are created in the image of God, we reflect God's image when we work and when we do our job well. You know, God's a master craftsman. If you look at God's creation, it's incredible. I had a whole list of examples. Just give you one, the hummingbird. We have hummingbird feeders around our home. We have one that's actually, you can stick it on a window, and every morning these hummingbirds come and put on a show outside my window. And they're really close. I mean, they're like right there because it's on our window. And just, I go, it's a miracle in flight. How does this bird hover and have the beauty and the markings? And you could, I go, God is the master craftsman. How he created our eyes. I'm friends with an eye doctor lives in Azerbaijan. He said after three years of studying the eye, intense medical study of the eye, he says, I'm just beginning to understand it. Seriously, there's that much to it? He goes, oh, yeah. Just incredible how God made your eye to see. God is the master craftsman. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you're wonderfully, remarkably made by this God? And if we're going to reflect his image, we should be incredible in the work we do. Good enough is not what God calls us to. He calls us to excellence the whole topic in itself. But I think we're called to do our best. doesn't mean that you have to be the best in the world. It means you need to give your best to the work that God has given you to do. Martin Luther, I love his quote. In the 1500s, the maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays. No separation of secular and sacred. Not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on his shoes. I made Christian shoes. But by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. God loves a job well done. Is this true? I really believe so. And I believe God has put the most incredible creativity in you. We have the ability right here at City Hill Church to transform the world. Through preaching the gospel, through seeing people come to salvation in Christ, hallelujah, super important. I mean, my life's dedicated to that. But it's also in the work that God's given us to do. God is concerned with how we do the work, the attitude we have. Those are other messages. But I want to end with saying that rest is also good. As I'm talking about work, some of you need to hear that that's what God has called you to do the work. But some of you also know that God has called you to rest. I talked to a mother of one of our staff in Dominican Republic one day and was talking to her. I said, you know, you, you need to rest some because people, her husband had a heart attack and she was just triple A, go, go, go. And she said, no way. No way. God, my Bible calls me to work and do the work while it is day. And I'm like, uh, and, and the daughter was like, do 
do not argue with her, do not argue with her, you'll never win. But my Bible tells us to work hard and to rest. And both are of God. And I, my kids will quote me, they know me, I say, work hard and play hard. And don't mix the two. Don't try to bring your work along with you to the beach. It doesn't really work. You don't really rest and you don't really get your work done. And God set up our kingdom. He, after six days of work, God rested. Why did God rest? Was he exhausted? Was God up there going, oh, that creation is tough stuff. I am so tired. I don't think so. I think it was more like an artist. We have some artists here at church. I think they paint a picture and then they rest. They sit back and they go, that's beautiful. They admire the work that they've done. And God calls us to rest. I don't know about you, but I, I work pretty well. I know how to work. Rest I've had to learn in a, as a discipline. I've had to learn it out of obedience because my tendency is keep working. There's work to be done. Good things that have to be done. And so I, I like to work. But resting I've had to work on. Anybody with me on that? Just hard to stop sometimes. Yeah, Cindy's raising her husband's hand. That's Thank you, Cindy. <laughs> well, Dan, we're together in that. So, well, Janet would agree. It's, I have to stop and take time to rest because God is honored. You know, rest is an act of faith. It's an act of faith that God will get the necessary work done without you. That this world does not depend upon you, but depends upon the Lord. One of my friends um, graduated from Harvard. I can't imagine how hard it would be to go through school at Harvard. The demands. And God told her not to study on Sundays. And so on Sundays, she would rest all day. And I said, how'd it go? She goes, you know, my grades improved. I did great. God somehow just helped me through. Everybody else thought I was crazy, but the Lord challenged her in that. God calls us to rest. And it's one of the ways that we honor the Lord in our lives. And God wants that, the flow in our lives. Work hard and rest. We're called to not just work, but we're also called to enjoy each other. I know there are people who are online who are up at their cabins. Enjoy your cabin. Enjoy the lake. It's God's beauty. We should be people that know how to play and enjoy and cherish the relationships that God has given us. Use the rest to restore, to be restored, to value the relationships in our lives. I've watched too many people in professional ministry like myself where the tendency is to work because it never stops. The needs that come our way never stop. And so if you prioritize that, your kids can be, get pretty angry. One child told me that they hated YWAM. I said, why? Because there's always a battle between YWAM and my dad and our family, and YWAM always wins. 
And I thought, well, the problem is not why I went. I didn't say this. I thought, the problem is your dad. Not the right thing to say at that time. But the problem is somebody who hadn't figured out that balance between work and rest and how to honor one's family as you work hard and finding the right balance in our lives. So, to wrap up, work is a gift of God. Say that with me. Work is a gift of God. You honor God, you reflect his glory as you work hard and work well. God created us to serve him through the work that you do, not just working in the church, but in the actual work that you do, whatever that is. And for the students that are here today, may, may I say that if God has called you to be a student, then your study is honoring to God. And your desk and reading that book is your altar before the Lord. That was hard for me to learn as a student. I'd be studying business law thinking I should be out evangelizing. And the, chap the chaplain told me, no, you should be reading business law. If God's called you here to study business, then do that with all your heart. All right. And that desk became my altar in which I could honor the Lord. And then let's work hard. Let's play hard. Amen? By play hard, I mean rest. Take time to get out to the lake, to walk with your family, take a good nap on a Sunday afternoon. Hallelujah. It's good stuff, huh? Work is God has designed us for work, and let's honor him in the work we do. Let's all stand. Just say a blessing over you today. Scripture, Psalm 90, verse 17. Let the favor, the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, Lord, establish the work of our hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great day. If you'd like ministry, we are going to have a ministry.